0: Pleasant Good Evening, Mets fans, and welcome back to the Pleasant Good Evening podcast. My name is Sam Lewis. His name is Jack Hendon. It's episode 44. Lots of things to talk about. All-Star Week underway officially. Last night was Sunday night, which was a busy day for Mets fans. Lots of baseball to watch. Lots of Mets-related stuff going on. Finalizing a series with the Pirates. We will talk about that because we're going into the break. Maybe not in the highest of spirits. On the field-wise, however, we're in very high spirits off the field-wise because, first of all, let's lead off right away with it, Jack.
1: Kumar Rocker, Kumar sorry, Rock. New York Met. Kumar Rocker. I cannot believe it. I'm like – I did not think when we ended up getting the 10th overall pick this time, like last year, that we were going to get Kumar Rocker. It's crazy. I mean, you have to have some – conversation I think about the fact that he fell that far but it's nothing that is like that takes away from his value like dude it's awesome I'm so glad this is this is just a dude that like everyone has known about for a while
0: he's a dog man he's so fun he's gonna be so fun he's first of all the breaking ball it's the best it's the best pitch in the draft class yeah it's the question is the fastball. And before we get into, like, our reactions, let's just, like, break down the nitty-gritty, boring yep. baseball crap about it. The Mets, obviously, they took Vanderbilt right-hander Kumar Rocker with the 10th overall selection in the in the draft last night. And heading into this year, it looked like Kumar was a potential 1-1 guy to go to the uh, Pirates uh, first overall in the draft, but had a pretty inconsistent year with the vandy boys uh Mm. not that he was ineffective he struck out a ton of hitters uh and prevented a lot of runs from scoring the issue with the consistency was the fastball that's the primary question because there were some starts where i believe in his first start he came out throwing 95 96 touching 99 and then in his next start he came out you know averaging around 93 94 and there were some starts this year where he'd be sitting 90 to 91, topping out at 92, 93. So it, it was variable start to start. And I kind of want to chalk this up to uh, overuse almost because it's college and college coaches have a tendency to overwork their pitchers more than the pros. Yeah. Um, he threw like 125 innings this year, which is a lot for a college pitcher. Like, I don't think the Mets are going to push him at all this year after he signs. Um. I really think they're just going to let him kind of mellow out, even if he doesn't pitch at all. Yeah. Uh, or if he just, you know, gets a few kind of innings in Brooklyn to end the year. But I think the smart thing to do in terms of the fastball, in terms of the velocity is just kind of letting his arm mellow for the rest of the year and in, in starting fresh in spring training or as close to fresh as you can. The other yeah. thing is that like, let's not get too carried away with the fastball stuff because the fastball still got good shape. It's still mm-hmm. got good, like efficiencies and, and qualities. And it still like is effective even if it's 93 and pairing that with an 80 grade breaking ball, he's still going to get outs. Yeah. Whether he's, whether he's a, a first in a rotation or a third in a rotation.
1: Definitely. So I'm, I'm thrilled about it. Um, I think it's kind of like, just like, it's this beautiful irony that like this was probably the draft and I don't really know why I couldn't explain why it was like this for me. Maybe it was just because like, It was a different time of the year and there was less baseball really going on um, around that point because it's like they're scheduling it within the all-star break. So there's a little bit more opportunity to like do your research. I did a lot of research with this class. I was looking at video up and down, trying to get as much info as I could from like people I knew who knew people they knew who were scouts, et cetera. Like there was, I think a lot of, I asked a lot more questions about guys than I ever had. And it's just so, you know, and I learned a lot about pretty much the top 10 and then a little bit, you know, by proxy about like the top 15 because so many of these guys were falling. Um, But, you know, it like the fact that it, we ended up taking like the first dude whose name I think ever really came up is like that guy's going to go in the draft in 2021 is like, so it's so hilarious to me. It's just the dude that, we've been watching for, I think, well over a year because he's been all over Pitching Ninja. He's been all over the College World Series. I mean, I'm not a guy who's like a huge believer in like New York's the big stage. Like New York is the big time. You can handle it or you can't handle it. But like he's probably handled the closest thing to big time at this point with everything he had done in the College World Series and that program no less. Like this is a huge deal. Um, I was very scared that they were going to take one of those like you know slash and dash college bats like I was really worried at the beginning of this thing that like we were going to come away with like Sal Krelick or Matt McClain and the fact that we didn't, in itself is kind of a miracle not that I don't trust this group of guys in the front office but like the fact that it was Kumar who just fell into our laps like I was almost ironically tweeting like oh seven pick ten picks till we get Kumar nine picks to and then literally we got to like three and two and then when the angels took Sam Buchanan or Bauchman I just I lost it like I could not believe that they would, would do that I could not believe the teams ahead of the Mets pick the guys that they picked like there were a lot of talented dudes who fell very far that I would have been thrilled for the Mets to get money is probably part of it um couldn't tell you what else it is because I'm a scout, but like Kumar Rocker somehow coming to us tenth overall is just like. I mean, when was the last time any New York sports draft, uh, did to sports fans what this one has done to me? Like you know, NBA, it's like you know, I hear that the Knicks were terrible. It was like, oh, we'll get you know, we'll get Zion or we'll get whoever, and then we always ended up getting like third or fourth overall, and nothing came of that. But like well, you know, no disrespect
0: guys, to R.J. Barrett there.
1: No, no, R.J. is great, but I think that the tone of that draft when it happened was yeah, he's not great. he's great, but he's not he's not what we wanted, so to speak, and he's been great. I mean, this isn't a Knicks channel, but I think this is bigger than Zach Wilson. Like yeah, no I think Knicks
0: posting no Knicks posting, yeah,
1: no Knicks posting allowed. Well, I'm not going to tap the sign again, but like this is this is great. So we had Kumar, um. I mean, the other funny thing about it, too, and we'll get to the Mech game because the Mech games suck, but like, I literally would have rather seen Kumar. I would have rather taken Kumar out of the draft room and put him on the mound today than had any of the guys that they were pitching like in the middle innings of that game.
0: Um, and like frankly, he, and frankly, he might be better than half the guys in the bullpen right now. <laughs> that's yeah. how polished he is. Yeah, that's how he's polished very- he is. I'll give I, you like, yeah. like, there was a, a timeline of a day. I'll, I'll kind of first of all say how you you kind of threw yourself into this draft more than you usually do. You said, "Yeah, I did the opposite. I'm a huge draft guy. Anyone who knows me well knows that this is like my Christmas. Yeah, like I love the draft. Last year, I had I that was I had I was so involved in uh, research for the draft. I live tweeted the draft last year. Like I I knew all the top thirty or forty names very very well." Uh, at least in this draft, I really just couldn't find myself particularly interested in it for whatever reason. And I think part of that is because it is a weaker draft class, um, than I think I'm used to like seeing. Uh, I think for me, outside of the top seven or eight names, there just didn't seem to be anyone for me that was particularly worth taking for the Mets at 10. And, and, I, I was worried like you, yeah. are, that they were going to go with a boring college bat like Freelich or Colton Kowser, who went five to the Orioles because they're cheap Amazing. asses or yeah. uh, uh, Matt McLean, who I'm, I'm also down on. Like uh, I was terrified and going into the day, the buzz was not on one of those names. And I was kind of intrigued by, by the fact that they were really, they seemed to be really in on Colson Montgomery who mm-hmm. ended up going 22 to the White Sox, who's basically Brett Beatty, um, yeah. but with a little more shortstop in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like down for that because the bat profile seemed to work and, and they obviously they liked, like it worked out with Beatty. Yeah. Or it's, it's working out with Beatty currently because it's still a process. He's still a prospect, but... Uh, Futures game. Yeah, uh, I mean, he, he uh, hit, a, hit a bullet in the Futures game. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was like, I went into the the draft day like all right yeah i mean if it's going to be colson montgomery like i'm down for that that's fine mm-hmm. uh they'll just like get him under slot and then probably pick a pitcher over slot at you know with the 46th pick their next pick which uh, is coming which is coming yeah the draft we're it's 11 20 a.m right now the draft resumes mm-hmm. at uh 1 p.m so we'll know who the mets take at 46 at about 2 p.m probably mm-hmm. uh so i was i was fine with colson montgomery and then about 20 minutes or so before the draft started, I got word that Freelick was the pick at the moment and that it was like, and obviously stuff can change, but it's going to be Freelick. And I was like, or at the moment it's going to be Freelick. And I was like, oh no, I don't want Freelick. He's five, nine. He's like boring. I don't, he doesn't really have that much power. Like, ah, that's such a boring foul.
1: pick. This is New York.
0: Yeah. That was a boring pick. And yeah. Then, like you, it was like teams weren't taking Kumar. They also weren't taking Khalil Watson, who's the second-best position player in this class. Maybe yeah. the first best. Are, well, and up there. The
1: top three are all very – it could go any way, I think. Yeah, like,
0: all those all those prep short steps, like Lawler's good too. Like Yeah. Yeah, uh, and obviously Henry Davis went 1-1 mm-hmm. to the uh, – the pirates which was a interesting pick but
1: i kind of liked it i don't know i mean meyer is great i think everyone who had him in number one had reason to have him number one but like oh yeah meyer yeah i've never seen a dude who looks like henry davis before like the guy is massive
0: yeah i mean for me at the end of the day henry davis is just like your basic white right hand hitting college catcher like he's fine he's good he'll mash a little bit but it's still pretty boring i don't know uh, mm-hmm. as khalil watson was falling as was yeah. kumar and teams weren't picking either of those two guys who were like both easily consensus top seven mm-hmm. uh picks yeah i was like oh hold on a second what's going on here and then when the royals passed on kumar for uh the italian kid at connecticut mazacato hey, Mazzucato. frank mozzarella hey, uh I was like, okay, something's going on here. Like the Mets might have both Watson and Kumar available at 10. And at that point I was like, okay, now for the first time, all draft cycle, I'm yeah. interested. Yeah. And then yeah, the, uh, the Rockies took Benny Montgomery, who's a very Rockies pick high school outfielder yep. is going to rake in cores, obviously. Uh, then yeah, the angels took a college closer. Who I like, I like Sam Bachman's stuff, but like that was that was a pick. If if Matsukado was a pick, that was also a pick.
1: Yeah, because and the Angels too, like they, I think the whole concept that like Kumar fell because of his asking price, like asking price has never been a problem for the Los Angeles Angels in any capacity. They have the money, they've dug out the money before, and like this time they're just like, no, we're gonna we're gonna take Bachman. Like, I mean, you know, more power to us. And then the Nationals getting like Brady House. After we got Kumar, like they didn't even pick Khalil Watson. I thought that was like incredible. Like everything about that. Sam likes Brady House a little more than I do. Um I think he's fine.
0: I like Khalil Watson better though.
1: But Watson still Watson still wound
0: up with a division rival, which is bad. Uh no, the thing is that like in the moment before the pick, I was Mm -hmm. like, all right, there's Kumar, there's Watson, but there's still the chance that they try to save the money and just like pick Freelick anyways. Mm-hmm. and I was, like, terrified they were going to do that, and the second that I heard Kumar's name, I, I flipped. Like, yeah, I have a video. Like, my friend took a video of it because I was watching it with two other guys. One's not really a baseball fan, but the other is a Mets fan, and, like, mm-hmm. the one who's not really a baseball fan, he was like, I want to get this reaction, and we yeah. both started screaming, we got Kumar, we got Kumar. Like, yeah. I have a video of it. Like, it was electric. I I was so amped up, and then I was talking to my buddy, PJ Clark, uh, who if you're on Mets Twitter or Jets Twitter, you probably know. And PJ and I are good buddies from Syracuse. And he was texting me about – because he's a huge Kumar guy, and he has been mm-hmm. for a while. And I I was remembering these conversations. He and I were having these text conversations like a year ago where we were saying, Tank for Kumar. you know, yeah. This is all pointless. This is worthless. Tank for Kumar. And my display name on Twitter for a while was Tank for Kumar. Mm-hmm we didn't even need to tank for him we got kumar we got kumar i'm so thrilled man he's he's a dog and and he seems like a really good person and you know he's already retweeted that marcus stroman tweet about him like i'm so excited to see him in orange and blue and i think he's gonna be up quickly like that's the the deal with him he's gonna be up quickly because he's already super polished
1: yeah our top five just became a top six essentially that's how i'm taking it it's you now have Another top prospect who is very, very good, already has a very good profile, and it's a pitcher, no less. I think he might potentially profile better than Matt Allen um, at this moment. I mean, it's, it's tough to tell just because Allen is, you know, injured. He's recovering from surgery. Like, it's – and it's no knock on Allen. So that was the first part of it, I guess. And the earlier part of the day that was great is that not only did we, like, eventually add to our top five, but our top five showed up at the Futures game or I guess two of them but one of them hit a hit a hit a dinger in Colorado that like it was a laser like Francisco Alvarez I didn't realize how big the dude really is when he's up there like I thought maybe he was just like a stocky guy with a good bat like he has a presence at the plate oh yeah um, and a lot of people who are listening to this are like how can you just be landing on this now like I really want to go see him in Brooklyn. Like, I'm, 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 I'm really intrigued. I think a lot of people who've gotten to see him already are like extremely lucky because it's clear that like he actually has a legit ability to hit the ball. And now the question is like, is this going to be an offense-first catcher? Like, because that's not really um, something that benefits the this kind of team as much, especially now that like they have hitters and they have hitters in their system too already, like Beatty and Mauricio, and potentially also. Picro Armstrong are all guys who will be hitting along with the hitters we already have. So like, you know, there's definitely questions about it, but that aspect of the day was great. I thought, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on Alvarez or even Beatty. Yeah, Um, I um, I do. Um, And I will, before I make those points, I will make one last point on
0: Kumar. I think that the weakest part of the system is pitching depth in the upper minors and Kumar is a guy that you can like immediately slot into double A like mm-hmm. maybe next year, like this year, I, I, again, I don't know what the plan is with him. I think he could not pitch at all, or he could get a couple of innings in Brooklyn down the stretch. We'll see how that goes. But like, he's a guy who conceivably is already good enough to get hitters out at a high level in, at least in double a, I think. Yeah. Um, like I had someone who I trust fairly well with this kind of stuff, say uh, he very well might be like, a capable major league fourth starter already mm. uh, if the fastball holds itself. And then another person said, kind of, you know, backtracking off that, but was like, I mean, I think he's a, he, At if you stuck him in a major league bullpen right now, he, he'd get out. But starters, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Alvarez. I was watching live. I saw the contact and I swear I blacked out for a moment because yeah. – holy crap he hit that ball so hard yeah it was 104 miles an hour off the bat a laser yeah. and he you're right he has such a presence in the batter's box for a 19 year old he looks like he controls the strike zone that was a good at bat too he fell behind 0-2, fouled off a couple of good pitches and then smoked one over yeah it wasn't a bomb it was
1: a line drive homer at course yeah. field it's pretty good Man. It was, I mean, th- those two strikes, too, were also, like, I thought, not strikes. Like, he didn't really do anything to put himself in that spot. Like, you know, and then the, he just overcomes the adversity up there. Forgetting who was pitching that. Was that – that wasn't Medina. This was before Medina.
0: No, it was uh, the Orioles pro- uh, pitcher prospect.
1: Um, think is escaping me. Yeah, we'll look this up i really should know this considering i was the one who like brought up alvarez but
0: when you do uh, while it, you do that yeah uh I, someone threw this on him and I, I think it's interesting that he has carlos ruiz's body with javier Baez's swing speed bat speed mm. and i'm like whoa that
1: is interesting Baez is a tall order to 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 carry out I thought honestly this is gonna this is gonna piss off some people but part of his load and his swing reminded me a little bit the home run was off Marco Marcos Diplon um yes. yeah Orioles, but yeah uh it sort of reminded me of like young Ian Desmond a little bit um so I can that see was that with with the load and the uh load in the finish, but he yeah. doesn't really have like Desmond was built like a like a you know, like a wide receiver. It's not really the same with um with yeah, Francis. Like a tight end, but, yeah. But it was still pretty like it was it was still pretty legit. I had fun and the Beatty at bats too were kind of good. I mean they can't all be Pete Alonso and I guess they also can't all be Francisco Alvarez, but Yeah uh, he
0: he like Beatty got two at bats and uh hmm. Alvarez only had the one. Um Beatty had a tough task because his first at bat was against Reed Detmers who went like 10th last year to the angels. Who's been yeah. very good this year in the minors. Who's a left hander is left on left. Mm-hmm. And he threw like three dots to him. He threw like an outside corner slider and then like two fastballs right on the outside corner. And Beatty struck out on those three pitches. Didn't even get to see Detmers best pitch, which was his curveball. Mm-hmm. Um, That was a tough task because Detmers is a guy who's, going to be pitching in the majors by this point next year um and probably at a pretty high level he's good uh he's i don't like. he's essentially in the fact that he's the most college polished college pitcher of his class he's the same Mm -hmm. as kumar rocker in that that regard uh and then he got then he got diplon too or was -hmm. it or was it uh luis medina from the yankees it was one of those two i think
1: I think he got the at-bat against Medina, I think. Because yeah, Medina he, actually also, his stuff looked good. It was just like he wasn't putting guys away. but
0: Yeah, uh, he came up with the bases loaded, and he worked a 2-2 count. And he hit one harder than Alvarez's homer. He yeah. hit one 106 miles an hour right to Spencer Torkelson, the third baseman, on the line, mm-hmm. uh, going to the opposite field. Which was – I was fairly impressed with it. It was quality of contact against a guy who throws like 99. So, um, Yeah. That was fun. And apparently both of them put on like insane shows in batting practice too. Like yeah. two of the more uh, impressive rounds of BP prior to the game, which as a prospect guy, it's just like, yeah. it's like porn, man, hearing that stuff. It's like, Oh God, this is fun. This is, this is when it gets fun when the prospects start showing their tools and showing out and like Beatty's on his way to Binghamton after the break, which is going to be fun. Uh mm-hmm that'll make that team a lot more interesting and the upper minors, a lot more interesting. And Alvarez is still 19 and he's doing this stuff at 19 years of age. Like this is catchers usually take a while to hit even yeah. in the minors. Mm-hmm. And he's friggin' raking man yeah. at 19 mm-hmm. with elite, elite hitting tools, elite bat speed and like showing power for a 19 year old catcher that I, I can't remember the last time I saw it's just, it's so he has swag,
1: too, which oh is yeah. great. They I mean, that's going to piss bit. the people off, but, like, the, the bat flips are great. I think he's just – I'm in love. I'm not, like – I don't really – I hate the term prospect hugger, but, like, yeah, definitely hold on to Alvarez and don't let him go. And possibly Beatty, too, because you just – you want to see how much more these guys can do. I mean, Sam, if you're, like – if you're horny now, uh, what's going to happen tonight with the derby? Like, um, like that's have, like, do we need to like talk about like next steps on that? Cause that's like, that's, that's just going to be awesome.
0: Oh yeah. I, awesome. I mean, I mean, first of all, first of all, first of all, pray for rain in Syracuse tonight, please. Because the only way I'm getting oh. to watch the Derby live is if my game gets rained out, um, which is still possibility because we've been getting lots of rain in Syracuse, but the, the Derby's like the draft and the Derby are like my two favorite things to watch every year. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get to watch this derby with this freaking uh, lineup, yeah,
1: live. If I get it spoiled for me, I'm gonna be so upset. Um, yeah. may have to go like go dark if you uh if you have to call that game and just find a recording somewhere. I can try and like work something out because I had to bust tables uh, during the home run derby in Cleveland. Like, so my whole night was like picking up other people's plates and stuff turning around to see what was happening at the bar and like you know like uh you know Vlad Jr. and like Jock Peterson just like hitting nukes uh and I didn't really get to see any of Pete until the last round after we closed but I this is going to be a little bit more of an uphill battle for Pete I think and that's not it's not that his power is diminished I think the talent this time around is just like You know, he's the five seed against Sal Perez, the four seed. I personally think that's going to be no contest. Like, I think Sal Perez is probably the most misplaced of any of the eight. Like, there are probably some hitters who should be there over him kind of deal. Um, And he's never even hit in a derby before. Like, I'm sure Alonzo will wipe the floor there. But then he's going to have to face either Shohei Otani or Juan Soto uh, because that's the one eight. And Otani is on pace to hit about 60 homers this year, at least. So that's gonna be hard.
0: Yeah. Um it's just a fun man, it's such a fun field overall. Like, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing like six or seven of these guys at like Salvador Perez, whatever. Mm-hmm. Trevor Story, honestly, whatever. Also, I feel like if we were gonna do a Rocky, we should have done the Rocky that has the most power, and that's Ryan McMahon.
1: Yeah. Also uh, the Rocky's gonna be here longer. Like Yeah. Um, um but that's that is what it is they have a lot of left-handed hitters that may have been part of it
0: yeah um, yeah I, I mean Trey Mancini's just I, I love Trey Mancini because of his story and he'll be interesting to watch and see how he does in this derby when I found out when we found out that he was going to be in it I was like really intrigued by that yeah I'm not in a negative way like he's not the guy I would have thought of first but I'm
1: like having like, a year like yeah, yeah. and Him then Olsen is probably the. I think that promises to be the closest matchup of the four, you know, just because you don't really know what either of them is going to do. Um, but, yeah, what were you saying?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a big Matt Olsen fan. Uh, yeah. I think he's a really great player, and I like the A's a lot. So uh, maybe that's me being a bit of an A's homer there. Um, mm-hmm. They're like my second team, I guess, behind the Mets. But yeah. he is having a great year.
1: Yeah. He
0: hit two homers on the last day of the first half, too. So he's, like, ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, Joey Gallo is going to hit, like, 17,000 moonshots.
1: Yeah. I think Gallo's going to win. I think Gallo's going to beat uh, Pete in the final. You Just, do?
0: I think that could yeah. happen.
1: I think that there's a very good chance that it's Olsen who's there over Gallo. But between those two, it's going to be one of them, I think, who, who takes it all. It's not anything against Shohei Otani, but he also, like, his swing is a very, like, wing relative to everyone else like it's a lot more like Bryce Harper-ish he bails a little bit more and this is not to say that like he's not going to make it out of the first round or anything but just that like you don't know how that kind of process will hold up over an entire tournament like I think there's a chance that Pete upsets Otani it's going to be very difficult but like Pete's probably the best guy to do it and what I've heard a lot also is that like you just got to hit it all the right center because that's where the ball carries the most but like he had no problem doing that in Cleveland. He was not a, he did not pull all those homers. He hit a lot into the bullpen. So like, I'm definitely excited to see that. Also it's not uh, Pete's cousin who's going to be pitching to him. It's going to be Dave Jous, which is a huge win for the Mets because as much as Pete loves his cousin and we are, you know, by association uh, fans of his cousin, the guy did not throw very well at the Derby, like at all. Like, I think the consensus was that Pete wouldn't have would have even needed, like, the timer. He wouldn't have needed, like, the last minute to win if he'd gotten someone who was throwing him anything in his own.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> it was like he won the Derby uh, not with the help of his cousin. like Despite his cousin. Despite yeah. his cousin, yeah. And he's yeah. the only guy in this eight who's, like, been there and done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, like, none of the other seven competitors
1: have competed in the Derby before. Uh, I didn't know that. I thought Soto had at least once. Was he no, not in 19? I don't believe so. He didn't go far in 19 if he did. Like it's, it's, Pete is definitely the most experienced of this group, but that's exciting. I mean, yeah, that's going to be fun. And then the all-star game, I mean, hopefully we see Taiwan Walker because he is now in. He's not, he's calling basically in for health and family reasons, which is, Good for him. I think that's probably the safest thing for the Mets to do. I hope Walker gets a turn in there because uh, yeah. he's really earned it. Soto, did not, that, Soto yeah. did not participate. No, Soto did he not. He did not? Okay. So that's all right. that's cool then. So Pete's the only one. Um, damn. So there's – I mean, yeah, we basically have the Derby and then the All-Star game, and then we have like three days to sit on – actual baseball returning which is probably a good thing I realize we've taken a a lot of time out here talking about like everything good that's happened and everything good that's going to happen but there was also the elephant in the room that like they blew a 5 nothing lead to the Pittsburgh Pirates on Sunday and lost a game that they were an out away from winning and pretty much like should have won like it's 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 very like troubling that they split that series and it's a good time because you don't have to worry about like trying to pick up the pieces after something like that you can literally just sleep on it and wait to go to Pittsburgh and, and and recharge and do what you have to do that you couldn't really do last time um but that was a bad loss I mean that was like that was probably the best example of why you can't do bullpen games with this team like because this Pirates team is not very good Um, And if you're losing to them, if you're struggling to score runs after you empty the tank in the first inning and you're going to Jared Eichoff for innings after the fact, it's just not, it's not enough. They simply need to get somebody in there to, to pitch. I think more so than the need hitters, because I do believe that a lot of these guys are going to come around and be hitters again, but like, like Aaron Lou pitching in the first inning of that game. I, I'm not saying that was bad strategy or anything, but like I don't want to lose Aaron loop in the first inning if I'm going to need him later in the bullpen. Like they pretty much had to give Miguel Castro a second inning and he didn't have it because he hasn't had it for like a month. And then, you know, they tried to get basically five outs. Was it four or five outs from Edwin Diaz? I guess it doesn't really, he didn't get, he didn't get five either way. Um, They had to go to Drew Smith. Like that was just, That was a team that I think ran out of steam because they're not built to handle the kind of situation that uh, they tried to handle yesterday. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in response to that from a personnel perspective, because that just simply can't happen again. And I'm glad we don't have to watch or worry about that happening again for a little while.
0: Yeah. Was there not, was there not some crappy starter out there that we could have like traded for for cash that we could have had start that game instead of, Using loop and then trying to get bulk out of freaking Jared Eichoff, who I thought we already established is horrible. Like he's real bad. Yeah. That was
1: like he gave up consecutive homers to Rodolfo Castro and Michael Perez. Michael Perez, literally Michael Perez. What's he hitting this year? 138. I don't even know, man. It's not even like a 167 or like a small sample number. They insist on batting him and they insist on batting him seven. He's batting 131. Oh my god. And oh, we let God.
0: it be. just like it's bad. It was a bad loss. I mean you score 5 in the first inning. You you facing off against Chasty Young who does suck. Yeah. You know, no disrespect to Chasty Young, but you're not a very good pitcher and you you do the thing that you're supposed to do against guys like Chasty Young. You hit you hit a couple homers. You score five early
1: runs off them. Mm-hmm. They
0: didn't score for the final 8 innings of that game.
1: Yeah, they definitely I think Like, I don't want to say they took their foot off the gas because, like, I don't know what the effort was there. I can't judge that. But, like, objectively, you look at the numbers, you look at the card, like, they did not do anything after it. They basically closed up shop, which is also a problem. Like, and this is not the first time the offense has done that, too, where they show up. I mean, remember the game we lost to the Braves where we scored first? And I think it was Steve Cohen who literally tweeted, like, how's that for offense? And then they lost 20 to 2 like it's not the first time that the Mets have like had a good pitcher on the ropes very early and literally all you needed to do was have one more inning like that and you would have taken the dude out of the game and had the force the Pirates to pitch all of those guys in their pen who all are terrible like did like sam watching sam howard on friday was hilarious like they could have gone they could have done anything those next 5 or 6 innings that deyoung was pitching and like they just didn't Like you need it, but the bigger problem here and the lesson that I think hopefully everyone learns is that like, you just need, you know, maybe this offense isn't ready to give you that kind of stuff yet. So it would probably help to just have a pitcher who can give you five or six innings who isn't Jared Eickhoff. And I understand that like Oswald is hurt and Reed Foley is hurt and Gaselman may not come back and like, Lucas has gone and Yamamoto's a ways away and like you're kind of waiting for Carrasco to come back but really like you couldn't you you can't prepare a little bit better right now I, I I don't know man I mean I don't want to see this every fifth day for even one more day this was like just really and it puts the manager in a bad position too like I almost felt bad for Luis Rojas because it's like you know people were jumping down his throat for giving Miguel Castro a second inning but like he didn't have anyone else. He had to pull out his best guys earlier in that game so that he could really muzzle the Pirates and give the offense the best chance to steal it, you know, before the sixth inning. And when those guys didn't, it was like, all right, well, I'll just have, to, I, like, who else is he going to go to? He can't go to Yancy Diaz in a one-run game, you know? I think that the way he set up the Diaz double switch so that Diaz could close out that game, I think that was actually, like, solid I didn't think that was a problem at all because Edwin Diaz just didn't do his job because like all these guys are getting used like crazy I just I don't know it's it's one of those things where like Rojas didn't make all the right decisions but also it's very easy to avoid this situation that the Mets put themselves in by just not having any pitchers except for Jared Ikoff and like you know like like I mean, that was pretty much it. That was who they were going to go for four innings. And I'm not shocked that he couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean,
0: when you're getting beat by Michael Perez and Rodolfo Castro and John Nagowski all weekend, like. I'm not going to pretend that there's not an issue there. Mm -hmm. Um, You you just got to be better and. And. This bullpen is a good bullpen. It's a good bullpen, but it's not as good a bullpen as it was before the crackdown on sticky stuff. It's becoming pretty clear. It's becoming pretty clear. Miguel and probably Edwin, because the slider hasn't been there for like a month now. Mm -hmm. They were goop guys in some form. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean both of those guys like Edwin and and Castro like they've lost like two grades of command in the last month and yeah oh man it just makes this bullpen so much more difficult to watch and I don't want to be like oh they need to go out and get a reliever but like they might need to go out and get a reliever yeah
1: I think Which it starts with a starter yeah so absolutely. That you can, I mean oh so that's you can not see this. if an overuse thing that's but not then, yeah. To say,
0: yeah, that's not to say they don't need to get a starter. They absolutely need to get a starter because even if Carrasco comes back, there's still an empty spot in the rotation. Like, right. they, they do need to get a starter after David Peterson went down. But uh, the bullpen could probably use an extra arm who can get middle or high leverage outs. Yeah. Um, I
1: mean, I would love to see what McGill himself could do as the next innings guy because all of those like good innings guys that we've come to – you know, appreciate are now hurt. I mean, we're we've the, the injury list cycle has basically gone from all our good position players getting hurt to now those guys returning and all of the pitchers who were picking up the slack and covering innings on innings because the starters couldn't go that far or because the hitters couldn't do much and we had to go to extras a bunch of times. Now those guys are hurt. But I think that honestly, what you could try and do now, trade for a starter right now, move McGill to the pen if you need, or make him like, I guess he has to be the fifth guy, but see what he can give you in like those sorts of spots. That's probably your last chance within the organization of getting someone who can get like mid high leverage outs and give you more than one inning because the changeup is a knockout pitch. Um, You can afford to do that, but they need to do something. And they need to do it now so that they can gauge with enough time before the deadline what the real problem is because right now it's it's not a situation where something's like completely stopping the Mets from contending. It's something that's stopping the Mets from pulling this whole thing out and just running away with the division. And if you can just correct this issue and see how much closer you get, that could benefit you. So I don't know. I mean that's that's that I'm sort of again like everything else that happened after the game was so amazing. I don't want to like put a wet blanket over what was fun. We have a great week ahead of us. And I'm I'm certain that, like, they're going to come out the next time they play the Pirates at the end of break. And it's going to be a much different story because they'll have actual starters going. Like, everyone will be rested. It'll be a reset. J.D. Davis will come back, too, which will be good. But, I mean, yeah, maybe – do you want to move on to, like, just first-half superlatives and whatnot? Or is there – are we yeah. – uh, Yeah, let's move Yeah, on. do you have anything else? All right, cool. Um, so we wrote a bunch of them. This was inspired by my own visit to Cohen's Corner, which if you haven't listened to that podcast, they're great. Um, definitely give them a follow. It's uh, at Cohen's Corner Pod. Um, they do some really great stuff every week. Uh, shorter episodes than us, which I think for some people will be a little, you know, a little bit more convenient, but they're a good group to add to the the rotation of podcasts. Um, so I'm not going to take any of the ones that I did with them. Uh, but we came up with a couple of our own. The MVP of the year is obviously Jacob Degrom. Uh, there's, there's really no, I think, like debating that or, or questioning the, um, the validity of that or really any other like potential MVP compared to him. Uh, most sorely missed, I Elston. That is to say, person that, person who player whose absence has affected the season the most. Sam, who do you have?
0: There's like two. I feel like real options for me. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go Carrasco though, because uh-huh. just like what we were talking about with the pitching staff, um, like they they could probably have used another you know top quality flight arm uh yeah. in the rotation. They might have won a few extra games, you know that you know fewer Jared Ikoff starts probably yeah. better. Um, I'll I'll say Carrasco. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm so I probably should have worded it better. This could be someone who was hurt who's back now and see if there's like a difference, so to speak. Cause I think right now the present injured guy who's been, who we've missed the most is Carrasco. But I think getting Brandon Nemo back in the lineup, like. He was my other guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he was very sorely missed. Like we basically haven't had to discuss like what's wrong with the offense since he came back. It just him being in the leadoff spot seems to work like three or four other things by proxy, which is huge. He puts up great at bats. Um, His defense has actually been kind of good. He made some good plays over the weekend. I'm still like, I I still don't think he's like a plus center fielder, but he's definitely, I think like earned his strides there. And um, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's my guy. I'll give you another chance if you have, if you have another dude.
0: No, Nemo was my other guy. Okay, cool. Um,
1: Best off season edition.
0: It's got to be Taiwan, right? I think it's Taiwan.
1: I think it's Taiwan. It's it's Taiwan, and then really, like, I think every one of them has been like a pretty good offseason addition. Like, obviously, Lindor is up there because the defense has been night and day um, with him oh, yeah. short time. Uh and he's been hitting well. Like, the numbers in the aggregate are starting to look a little bit more palatable because he's now basically been this kind of hitter for like half of the first half. He's got so, like a,
0: he's got like an eight. 32 OPS over his last yeah. 44 games, I think, which is pretty much exactly what we signed up for.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much, and it's only going to continue. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not really interested in like booing him or complaining about him or worrying about him anymore. So I say Taiwan, uh, and then Lindor probably if we need a hitter, that's the best offseason addition. Uh, yeah, from the hitters. Uh, this is a fun one. Best non-roster slash depth piece. So this could be anybody that they like called up in the middle of the season um, or maybe like added during spring training who has otherwise come up mid-season. Uh, so not like, not like Pilar VR type guys, but more like my guy probably is Billy McKinney. Uh, I think okay. he's just put a charge because he's, I think the first piece that they like went looking for in May or June that is actually like, worked um in every way they needed him to like he's now become like he's transitioned to the pinch hitting job really well which is awesome because like the Mets haven't had a guy who just comes off the bench to get hits like when you ask him to and like, a like you know really long time at least not when it mattered probably not since Justin Turner which is you know lifetimes ago who do you have I think
0: and I hate to say it Jose Peraza because yeah yeah oh. Uh, first of all, if for no reason other than him being an anti-racist legend and holding yeah. off Josh Hader.
1: Ended racism with one swing.
0: Yeah, that was great. I loved that. That was fantastic. That might just be one of my favorite moments of the season to begin to begin with. And he gets credit for that. He's also been, like, oddly really good at second base, and it's probably because of the shifting. But, like, he's, like, plus six outs above average at second base. He's no uh, Brian Dozier. Yeah. Uh, but, like, he's also just had a few, like, weirdly clutch hits. Like, the double at Yankee Stadium that was caught by the fan. Like, he's had a couple of other fairly big home runs. Like, I don't think he's good in general, but he's had some really nice moments for the Mets. So yeah. I'm going
1: to go Peraza there. Have you seen the – and then I'll move on to the next one. Have you seen the Jolly Olive stat that he found on, like, Peraza between low leverage, mid leverage, and high leverage situations? Like, what the stats are? Like, the average itself? no but i imagine it's pretty stark it's like the from lowest to highest leverage it goes like 154 like 170 it's like no it's like 123 in low leverage 154 in medium leverage and like 571 in high leverage that's like, fantastic it, it is amazing how he does that he i mean it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I love them. I'm a little worried that the Mets are going to have to option Guillaume because they can't option Peraza anymore when Davis comes back. But like, I don't know, you take that chance. You get as much of this fun as you can until it, it runs out. Um, offense, bullpen, starting pitching, defense. How do you rank them in terms of like most critical to the team's success this year? Or I guess least critical to most critical to the team's success. Like which is what's been like the biggest key to them doing well?
0: I think the biggest key has been probably the starting pitching and then the defense and then the bullpen and then the offense.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: the offense is because it's been it's been pretty bad. Offense is yeah. obviously let like the least critical, like in terms of like the team's success so far. Um, but the starting pitching for at least for like the first couple months was really really good. As was the bullpen. Yeah. Um and then the defense is like way better than we're used to seeing from the Mets, which is nice.
1: Yeah. I would probably do I think I would put defense second. Offense is obviously fourth. And then I would probably pick I'd probably pick rotation first and then bullpen third. Um It's very close though. Like those first three, you really have to, I think like split hairs to figure out like why runs aren't scoring. Cause part of it is because they're just shifting really well. Like Stroman is always been a ground ball pitcher. That's not necessarily someone who's like dominant as much as it is someone who's very methodical. And that's worked very well for him now because they have an intelligent enough front office, you know, Ben Zosmer gives them the sheets basically on how to play hitters and, I mean it bites them in the ass every once in a while but can you imagine if like we still had like guys playing traditionally where they should and like missing every grounder up the middle like and also can you imagine if we had Ahmed Rosario at short for any of these ground balls and not Francisco Lindor like I'm I'm glad Rosario's killing it with Cleveland I I wanted nothing less but for him to succeed there but Lindor has been maybe our best defensive player since like Juan Lagares, and then before that, you'd have to go all the way back to probably Beltran in center field. Like it's it's there's really no understating or underselling like just how good, uh, or no overstating just how good the guy is. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and and then yeah, yeah. What else you got? No, nothing. I agree. I was just gonna say I agree. Um, this will be kind of fun, uh, and this is gonna be hard because we're we are kind of on a time crunch here. Spitfire letter grades for the seven regulars who have been here jd davis isn't on the list because he really hasn't been here much but we have dom lindor mccann alonzo mcneil conforto and nimmo um what letter grades do we give dom for this year c plus i go b i I go a little higher just because he's the only one there that's hitting lefties um
0: okay that's fair i'll go b minus
1: but yeah, I give him a B. Lindor.
0: I was gonna give Lindor a B minus, but maybe now. Yeah. yeah, I'll stick with B minus there.
1: I probably go, I probably go B minus. Yeah, B B minus. Well, I think he's probably been better than Dom, but like, I guess you gotta apply like expectations to it. Yeah, uh, and also like consistency component. You know what? I'll give him a B. I'll give Lindor a B. James McCann I'm probably going more like a c um huh okay because yeah. I,
0: he's he's basically got himself up to being a league average hitter
1: too so he has but it's more so like the approach at the plate and how often he hits into double plays for me that's just like it's just a little bit more frustrating like i don't I don't think he's he's really in the way the other guys are and that's kind of like a boomer thing maybe C plus. I'll go C plus on McCann. That might be a little harsh to give him a C.
0: My inclination was a B on McCann. Honestly, I yeah. feel like cuz he started so slow and then he had a really good stretch and now he's just been kind of like okay in general since that really good stretch. So I feel like I feel like I was going to go B on James McCann.
1: Yeah. He and Lindor probably have like turned it around at the simil- at the same juncture. Part of it's also because McCann isn't someone that they like Give as many at bats to in the order, so it's harder to like gauge, uh, so to speak, like how much, um, he's really done. That's like driven the offense, but I yeah, I probably give him, I go C plus just because like I would like it if he had better at bats with guys on base because uh, that has been still a bit of a problem. Uh, Pete Alonso, this one will be interesting. I'll let you go first. Uh,
0: B plus, I think. Like he's, yeah. been, he's been basically Pete in terms of quality of that bat and quality of contact, just with a little less homers than I think I'd like, but he started to perk up a little bit and he's got, you know, going into the break with 17, whereas he was at like 11 a few weeks ago. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I'd probably give him a, I'd probably give him a B plus cause he's probably been the most consistent of everyone. Uh, like he hasn't really fallen into like huge slumps, which is definitely a benefit. Um, and it's been getting better. So yeah, I definitely give him B plus. That's probably the best grade I could give someone uh, that's like been here the whole time. Conforto. This one's going to, Oh no, a lot. We got McNeil. Like a C. Yeah. I'm probably going probably C um, it's, 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 it's closer to a C minus than a C plus, but it's a C. Um, yeah. just cause the slugging is still like, even when he's putting up good at bats and he's been doing it better lately, but it is also like, it just, he took way too long. I think once he came off the injured list to like be that guy. And part of it's not his fault. Cause he just isn't a leadoff hitter and we shouldn't bat him lead off anymore under any circumstances, but I give him a C and then we have Conforto who I'm probably closer to a C minus on, I don't want to give up on him, but like, and D plus seems really harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, easily the worst of all of them
0: yeah i had d plus in my brain for a second there i think i'll go c minus two because he had the three-run homer yesterday that was pretty but yeah man god this is depressing no one's been good except for our last guy
1: nimmo i give nimmo an a minus i was going to give him an a minus too i wish he was hitting for a little more power but like he's been great yeah i think he's gonna come into it he he, like we said earlier his coming off the injured list is what's like Been the catalyst for everything good, so I guess the rankings there. Yeah, so Nimmo and Alonso probably at the top, and then Dom Lindor McCann probably in the middle, and then McNeil kind of lower in the middle, and then Conforto's been bringing it up at the back. But I also think Conforto is the guy that like will need the most for the second half, and he's the most primed to hit in the second half. There's no way he ends this year batting below the Mendoza line, for reasons like for contract you know contractual reasons, for statistical reasons. He's never been that bad and it can't possibly continue. He always finds his swing some way or another. It's in, you know, they'll just, honestly, it might just be a case with Nimo too going into the leadoff spot and McNeil coming out of it where like, you just have to find a spot that works for Conforto to maximize that production from him. But he's you know, the dude I need the most to perform once we get back up and running.
0: I think I agree. And I'll, like, you know, maybe it will be uh, uh... Boost offense a little bit somehow maybe they reduce the balls after the break. who knows maybe that'll help the team um shall we remember some guys
1: I think so I think that's a good place to do I've I've uh I think you've gone first a couple times so if you don't mind I'll just drop mine in because I'm also very scared that you might have my guy and I don't want to be the guy who loses the guy they remember here but I'm remembering Latroy Hawkins oh okay not my guy but coach in the futures game i was shocked to see him coming out to the mound in the middle of the game i was like that's that looks like latroy hawkins and it was latroy hawkins and like he was like on a bad mets team in 2013 but he was also one of those guys who like essentially got recruited by david wright uh which was really cool. He taught Jerry's Familia how to do the quick pitch, which I think for the most part was a benefit. It bit us in the ass, the one game in the world series. But like, I think Latroy Hawkins was someone who probably just showed up when the team wasn't very good, didn't have much incentive of his own to keep playing, but I think rubbed off on a lot of pitchers and was a generally good guy to have around. I'm very happy to see that he got to work with young players, even if just once, like, He's a great dude. He's a class act, also very charitable guy. I'm 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 very fondly remembering Latroy Hawkins.
0: Yeah, Latroy was great, and like it was him and Vinny Castilla who were the two coaches, both yeah. sides, which was crazy. Um, was a- I have fond memories of Latroy, and obviously his impact on the Mets, uh, broad considering the quick pitch thing. I went completely different direction. Uh, yeah, I went draft related. Oh. Uh, Oh, and not in a good way, folks. I went I went and I picked um Eddie Coons. Oh. Who Eddie Coons? Yeah, who the men's uh, took 42nd overall in 07. Um okay.
1: and he was a reliever. But he was he a was bust. Side armor wasn't he? That was like the catch. It was like he was basically like he walked so that like Hedzka and, and Hackamer could run basically.
0: No, I don't think he was a side armor really. I don't they know. Like,
1: yeah, they they probably botched his development a little. Well, they called him up from Double A. Not a side armor. I'm looking at the pictures of. I don't know why I assumed he was a side armor. Yeah, neither
0: do I. Uh, yeah. He. They brought him up from Double A in 2008, less than a year after getting drafted. Mm -hmm. and he only pitched in four games for the Mets, which was weird. Those were his only four appearances as
1: a major leaguer. I think they traded him. Don't ask me why I remember. Oh, yeah, they did. I'm looking this up now. They traded him to the Padres for Alan Dykstra, who I think we were all convinced was was Lenny Dykstra's kid. I don't think he is. He's not. That's that's Cutter Dykstra, but – Yeah, we traded Eddie Coons for not Lenny Dykstra's son. And, yeah, Eddie kind of flamed out. I mean, hopefully he's doing well now. I don't know why I assumed he was a side armor. I guess he kind of looks like Joe Smith. Maybe that was part of it, just like the facial thing. But who knows what happens in my brain when I remember a guy. It's it's not a pretty place. Yeah, maybe that's a good place to put a pin in it. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to go. You don't want to go any deeper in there. Trust me. All right. All-Star Week.
0: Enjoy the derby tonight, folks. If Pete wins, you might get some bonus content out of us, but that's mm. that's to be determined. At the moment, let's just uh, celebrate Kumar Rocker being a Met for a while. Happy second day of the draft. Enjoy the episode, folks. I've been Sam Lebowitz. He's been Jack Hendon. And Mets fans, have a pleasant good evening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you.